0: Hey everyone, Mikel here. So before we get into today's episode, I just want to mention to you that you need to check out all the work we're doing on social media. So don't worry about Instagram, don't worry about LinkedIn, don't worry about Pinterest and those types of things. Where you're going to find me is on Twitter. Every single day I'm on Twitter. We're sharing a lot of the thoughts, a lot of the tips, a lot of the breaking news is coming out on Twitter. And then add to that our Expat Money Forum. We are doing so much amazing things in the forums. There's special content that's not found anywhere else. There's a lot of networking. There's just so much happening on this forum that I really hope you get a chance to participate. And you can access that at expatmoneyforum.com. So find me on Twitter at Thora Mckell or join the forum at expatmoneyforum. Okay, enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone. This is the Expat Money Show and I am so thrilled to have you guys with us here today. In a moment, I'm going to introduce you to someone who can dramatically transform your life and your business. If you let him. I know that's a big claim and that's why I'm here to personally introduce him. That's how important the information is that he has to share with you today. When you listen to Dustin, you truly appreciate why I asked him to be on the Expat Money Show. Simply put, our featured guest, Dustin Matthews, transforms businesses and brands right out of school Dustin helped take a company from 1 million to 14 million and number 35 on Inc. magazine's fastest growing private companies. His newest venture, Speaking Empire, is recognized as a disruptive company in the leadership, training, and education space. He is the mentor and coach of the world's leading speakers, coaches, business owners, and thought leaders, such as Shark Tank star Kevin Harrington, New York Times bestselling author Robert Allen, Infomercial star Dean Graciosi, and ex game host and actress Forbes Ryan. Dustin's company was privileged to be involved with the Get Motivated Success Tour, which included past presidents and world leaders such as Bill Clinton, Laura Bush, Ronald Reagan, Mikhail Gorbachev, and sports stars like Michael Phelps, Joe Mantana, and business personalities like Steve Forbes, Steve Wozniak, and Kendra Todd. I've asked Dustin onto the show to speak about his newest book, The No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations. I know you guys are going to get a heap of value from this. So, Dustin, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started, and where you're heading? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I know you're a big education guy, Mikel.
0: Absolutely. Robert Kiyosaki.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is a classic book, and now I think about it because I have two young boys, and I can't wait to you know put this in the room and, and have them stumble upon it. So my story starts off with me sort of stumbling upon Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I got really excited about real estate, or or so I thought. That prompted me to go down to a real estate investor club where people were buying and selling houses. But to me, it sounded like what I imagined the stock exchange to sound like. They were saying, you know, I've got a four, three on block, and they're using all these real estate terms, and, and I didn't know them. And so I walked into this environment. And uh, fortunately for me, that that concept of finding a mentor, finding rich dad stuck with me. And so what I did was I left that room because I was a little intimidated and I went out to the vendor area. For those of you unfamiliar with the vendor, that's where all the people that want to sell you something are. And so they want to talk to you. Uh, all the people doing deals in the room that you know they don't have time for the the newbies, and so uh, I went out there and I propositioned one of the uh, two of the people actually, and one of them took me up on it, and it was a startup company just getting going, and so I said, listen, you know, I'll come work for free if you'll show me, you know, how to do this real estate thing, and so in my journey there, I discovered that real estate wasn't my passion at all; it was marketing, and I came across a book in my journey there, another book, and uh, by my mentor now, Dan Kennedy. And he taught me about marketing. And so I implemented it, and people started calling us, and people started emailing in. And I said, wow, this is amazing. We can put words on paper. We can put words into a podcast. We can put words into video, and people will do things. And I had never done anything like that. Ever since I discovered that, that we can get people to donate, we can start a movement. Yes, we can sell products and services. Uh, We can create change and so that's been my passion ever since is really how do we put words into Stories into
0: action into videos to get people to do things for good. That's unbelievable. That's amazing And you mentioned Dan Kennedy. I absolutely love Dan Kennedy and his work as well. I saw that you wrote a book with him, actually. You co-authored The No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations. I read it uh, cover to cover. I absolutely loved it. It's actually one of the reasons that I followed up with you. Um, Can you give us a little bit of your story on why you decided to write a book about this? Because I understand that you have a bit of an unusual start to presentations and public speaking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. So, well, first and foremost, you know, Dan is one of the figures that had changed my life. He introduced me to marketing, and it's been my passion ever since. And I said, one day I'm going to work with that guy. And so I planted that seed over 10 years ago, and uh, it manifested. I did work with him many, many times. And then I had the opportunity uh, to write this book. And the reason why this book uh, on presentations was you know, initially I was completely completely afraid to get up and speak in front of others. So even a webinar, a podcast, and even worse was getting up in front of a room full of people. And so I remember when I was at university, I had to take public speaking in order to graduate. So I signed up for the class, McHale. And uh, I find myself in this room of 300 students. And it's stadium seating, just like if you were to go to, you know, an opera, uh, like if you were to go to a play. And so all the focus is on the stage. And so I remember the professor walks out and he says, you know, in this class, you're going to have to give three presentations, three talks in front of All 300 people here in front of this whole room. And then you'll have to give seven others in breakouts. And so I start looking around and, you know, I think people are going to be as terrified as I was, but no one was really terrified or they weren't saying anything about it. And so I said, you know what, I can take this class another time. And so... I sign up, I, you know, I have to take this class in order to graduate. So I sign up again, thinking I'm going to find a virtual class or maybe a small class with maybe 10 or, or 12 people in it. And so I sign up for the class again, and I find myself in that same part of campus in the same building. And yes, it's the same setup. It's the 300 stadiums there, and it's the same spiel. Now, Mikel, I'd love to tell you in that moment, I conquered my fear, and, you know, I personally developed in that moment. And so I didn't. I actually retreated yet again. And I think what's funny is in life, we, we are presented with opportunities to grow, to learn, to make a difference. And so in that moment, I decided that I was going to go find a loophole. And so I started interviewing teachers and students and student aides. And you know I even read the student handbook in and, that and university. No one reads the student handbook. It's just there. And so eventually I came across a loophole that had uh, said if I had done something in high school, I could get a teacher to write me a note. And so I had fortunately done this thing, chasing a girl. It was called Model United Nations. And uh, I was actually speaking in front of others, which blows my mind. I must have been so blinded by the chase of the girl that I didn't <laughs> realize what I was doing. And so naturally I got the teacher to write me a note. And so I, I tell you that story and tell it at that at detail because I know that most people would rather die according to the statistics and the sayings out there than actually get up in front of others and speak. And so I was the same way. It's not like I was born with a microphone in my mouth. And I know a lot of people start that way, at least initially, or have butterflies or have that feeling, and so... What flipped for me was, was once I did it, I saw what profound effect it had on me personally, but also for my business. And so once I got that taste of it, I said, you know what? Even though I have this, this crazy fear uh, of doing this thing, it's so powerful. If you look at you know, Oprah, if you look at you know, Steve Jobs, if you look at Richard Branson, some of the, you know, the biggest names, celebrities in the world, they all speak or deliver a message on a platform in some form or fashion.
0: That's unbelievable. So you were actually scared. You were actually terrified of getting up on stage, of doing public speaking, and now you run a business as an entrepreneur called Speaking Empire. That's unbelievable.
1: Absolutely. You know, I used to, you know, it's funny is I used to hate writing. I remember being up late at night. My parents were, you know, trying to help me, but it just seemed like the worst thing ever. And I I just struggled with English. I was more of a math and science guy, techie. And so I became a copywriter. And so I I think, you know, again, there's opportunities in life for all of us to either run from something. And and sometimes like I did, I ran from it and ran from it and ran from it until eventually I I was like back against the wall and I, I couldn't escape it. And that's where When you're so afraid of riding a roller coaster, I remember growing up when you're so afraid of riding that roller coaster. But then you go on it and you're like, wow, this isn't as bad as I thought. And so that's what I want to share with others is that it can change a business. It can change a movement or a nonprofit, whatever your world is. And nowadays, more than ever, there's tools and
0: technology forcing us to be in front and in the spotlight. Wonderful. So – I'm going to have to get really detailed here because when I read your book, there was one quote in here that really struck out at me and it says, one presentation can make you rich. So my question, Dustin, is that true?
1: Absolutely. Let me explain. And what I mean by rich, by saying that is, you know, this isn't get rich, but this is about, you know, building wealth and, you know, this is the expat money show. And so one of the things to consider is that everything in life is a presentation, And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're trying to raise money, if you're trying to make an impression in front of clients, you know, how you appear, how you show up, whether you're in a suit or not says something about you. People judge a book by its cover. And so it's my belief that everything in life is a presentation. Now, it doesn't mean you always use slides and, you know, it doesn't mean you're always in front of people. It may be virtual. But if you think about it, everything is a presentation especially if you're trying to do something in this in this world So raise money make money you know grow a movement you know everything is telling about you or your company or your movement or whatever it is that you do and so the challenge is most people never think of this most people that at least I've uh, met with they say you know I'm going to let the content speak for itself and absolutely you should have great content and you should be of sound mind and you should have great ethics and on all of that However, you may have the cure to cancer, but if you can't get people excited about it initially, right because then virally it can take over. Mm-hmm, but initially, mm-hmm. if you can't get people to buy into it, it'll never get off the ground. so you may have the best invention, you may have the best you know uh, governmental uh, uh, political thing here uh, for people to consider to make their lives better and yet if you can't sell people on the idea, then you can't get rich. And, and when I say rich, you know yes, it's make money. But also it can be in all different areas of life. And an example that I I love to use is is Trump, whether or not you like Mm -hmm. him. His rise to power was essentially the use of presentations. He understands how to present ideas to the media. He understands how to get people riled up for his own cause. And so, you know, the you know, he take he took a pay cut to to become president. However, uh, this is going to make him richer and more powerful than ever before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a platform for him to speak on. So I totally understand what you mean on that one.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to throw this one in here, Mikel, too, because, you know, some people, you know, aren't so uh, fans of, of Trump. And so I'll use somebody else very favorable. Uh, it's is Warren Buffett. And I read an article recently where, you know, Warren Buffett, this this great investor, truly a guy that understands money and business, he credits his his billion dollar empire to one decision and that was the idea that he went and learned how to publicly speak and so... The reason why this was so powerful was he understood that once he understood how to communicate a message, whether you do it in front of others, whether you do it on the phone in front of investors, whether you do it in an annual report, you have to understand how to present ideas to get people into action.
0: So you make a lot of similarities between public speaking and copywriting then?
1: Absolutely, it's just the spoken word if you think about it.
0: And so Mm -hmm.
1: I think copywriters have it easier because they essentially just put the words on the paper and oftentimes they hand it to a client and the client you know, puts it in a direct mail piece or on a Facebook ad, a presenter actually has to take the same work, but then has to use nuance. They have to use, you know, if they're in front of people, body language, they have to mess with their tone, go up and down. And so there's something more powerful to presenting a message live. And, you know, we can point
0: back through history at all the great talks and presentations from world leaders that demonstrate that. That's really interesting. So I also remember in the book you were talking about choreographing. Is that kind of what you're talking about here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Choreographing, really, if you, if you look at plays, you know, if you go to Blue Man Group or your favorite, you know, performance, these folks, the actors, the actresses, uh, the performers, they practice and practice and practice. Even the lighting people, they practice and practice and practice. And they choreograph the whole thing to make sure the performance is the same way every single time to get an end desired result, which is an amazing show for us. And so, again, most people never really give thought. To well, should I practice, or what should I wear, or you know, what what part of the stage should I stand on, or should should I have someone introduce me? All of this matters if you are trying to motivate and inspire or get people to do something. And so, you know, what I found in the sales world, if you're trying to increase sales, which I find a lot of businesses are, what they do is they just do their performance and they don't consider what needs to happen before the message is delivered and what needs to happen afterwards.
0: So how does Speaking Empire, how does the book translate to helping people? What are some of the things that you do and help them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a five-part process that we unpack in the book, and I'm happy to give a little preview. Do we have, uh, Mikkel, enough time to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really interested to hear, so please go ahead. Okay, good. So I'm actually going to take a step back. So two things to consider when it comes to choreography and just being more influential. So whether you're selling something or not, this is about influence. And so there's two things, the message itself that you actually deliver, whatever media you deliver it in, but then also the preamble and then the follow-up. And so- I'm going to talk about the message first. I'm going to give you a five-part uh, formula here that we discuss in the book, and then also we'll talk about the marketing, You know, the preamble, and then the, the, the follow-through. So there are really five crucial parts to any presentation, and actually, you actually already do these five. You just might not know them. So real quick, they are intro, story, offer, body, and close. Now I'll unpack those and I'll give you an example in each one. So in an intro, I take a look, I take a step back. I think about, you know, the most successful people in society. I think of the influencer. So you put the president, the queen of England, you put athletes, you put celebrities, you put royalty up there. Whenever these folks are in public – They are always properly introduced. So if you think about your favorite basketball game, right, they shut the lights off in the dome or the stadium, right, and they play the music and the smoke goes off and they introduce the players. When the Queen of England comes out, it's never just her. There's always the royalty that precedes her, the court, right? When it's the president, he's always properly introduced. When it's uh, a singer, there's always a warm-up act, right? And so when you think about it, if you want to influence, you'll consider having somebody or something introduce you. So- Mikael, you did it, but it, you sort of had to do it because it's a, it's a podcast and the media requires that. But if you were speaking you know, on a stage, some people would just start speaking. And so what I would say is if you want to have influence, have somebody that the people know in the audience or have something such as an introduction video.
0: So what you're really talking about is pre-framing the person or pre-framing yourself to have the audience in a certain mindset when they hear your message. Is that right?
1: That's exactly right, and you know what it just popped in my head, Mikkel. There was an article that I read about people in vacations. They actually found that people get more satisfaction, according to this article, in prepping and thinking about their vacation than actually being on the vacation. Something to look forward to. So, in that same sense, if you have a, a person introducing you or a video exciting the imagination or getting people, you know, pumped up to hear your message in it. You know, it doesn't have to be motivational. It can be sales reports. You could be in a boardroom, But if you're able to do that, you can get people excited to want
0: to hear what you have to say. Wonderful. So that's the intro. Now, what was Mm -hmm. step number two? What was phase number two? Well, after you get people excited about the actual content
1: and you open up your presentation again, this can be a Facebook Live. This could be a podcast. Then what you want to do is, is tell some story. And so in the same way of this, if we take a look at the structure of this interview here, uh, one of the things that we moved into was my story. So that makes you relatable to the audience. And so when you do story we we could probably spend a couple of interviews on just story alone but the mm-hmm. big thing when it comes to to selling and getting people into action is you want to tell a story of transformation so it could be your own personal story you know before i understood how money worked you know i was broke and this but now i get to travel the world and you know i'm a master of money right it could be an example well that's great if you're sort of in a personal development or entrepreneurial environment but what about the boardroom you know they would laugh you out of the boardroom with something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so then you would you would tell the story of what things look like whether it's the department whether it's the marketplace and then what it could look like with your idea your invention that you're about to present. Everyone loves to see transformation. I mean, it's what Hollywood's built on is what the movies built on. They want to see some sort of transformation take place in a character or in a series of, of characters. So it's your job to tell the story about yourself or the story if you're more in a corporate or movement, sort of the, the story of the enterprise or the department.
0: Amazing. So what would you do to give someone a tip on how to craft this story, how to craft a powerful message in the story aspect? Well,
1: the easiest thing – a lot of people are so visual nowadays, and so what I say the, e- the easiest thing for people to do is take a look. If they're going to tell a personal story, take a look back through your photos. And what I like to do is just think about like if I were storyboarding something, which is just basically looking for photos and putting them up on a board to communicate a story, I would want to look at low points in your life. I would want to look at high points in your life and I would just put this collage out there to to start the process of considering your story. Now, we've all been around for, for some length of time so we could bore people with our stories. And so it's important to look for the lows and the highs back to transformation. People want to understand that, listen, you know, I wasn't born this way. I actually had adversity. I had a bunch of failures and I was able to achieve success by banging my head up against the wall and now look at life. it's It's so great. And so The easiest part for most people is to look at pictures, start there, and start to piece together the lows and the
0: highs. That's really interesting. So my first instinct when crafting a story would always be to look at the end in mind, something that I wanted to teach or something that I wanted to highlight. Do you ever do that, or do you always start at the beginning and just look at your life and then figure out what messages you can craft from that?
1: I actually Mikkel, you' you're spot on with that that's what I actually do however when most people get started they get so enraptured in the, in their story like you have experience because you 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 do spoken word you've got podcasts here so you you have that experience you have that understanding but most people when they get started and especially story they, they have a blind spot I found and they're you know do I tell all this or this is you know I really want to tell this and I'm like well that doesn't really further the sale and so the easiest thing to get up and going is, is take a look at those pictures now, now, once you already have that level of understanding, then what you want to do is now say, D- does this further the sale? So you take a look and you're telling a story about how in third grade this teacher, you know, scolded you and, and, and now you, you know, you hate going to school. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. It, if we're not selling something relevant to that, then we probably aren't going to tell that story. And so it's important to think about the ultimate, like you said, Mikkel, which is the end in mind and does this story – further the cause or further
0: the sale perfect that makes perfect sense so we have the intro we have the story what's phase three dustin
1: We need to get into the offer. Now, this is a little bit of a misnomer here, and I want you to pay extra close attention. So an (laughs) offer doesn't mean, hey, I've got these watches to sell you, or hey, you know, come buy my thing. It's not that. It's not about being pushy or forward. It's basically letting the audience know that you have something of value to share. Now, it may be a product or service that you have. It may be an idea. It may be your charity, what the work is doing. And so before you can let people know about your offer, you have to educate them. And, And really, what I mean is build value. And you have to bring to their awareness, you have to let them know that there's a problem that exists in the marketplace and then provide your solution, which is why you're there in the first place to talk about a solution. But if you go right into the solution and you don't give people an appreciation of the knowingness or what's happening out there in the world, then they don't really fully and truly understand. It. And so the best way, as a tip, is to find statistics you know, from media that say there are challenges in the workplace, there are challenges in the world, and cite those statistics and,
0: and make people aware of it and then talk about what your solution is. So what you're saying is highlight those pain points and make sure that you touch on those before you ever provide the solution.
1: Exactly. Let me give you I'll make it real real crystal clear. So if you're uh, if you're a male, you'll ap- appreciate this and if you're a female, you'll understand this as well. And what I mean by that is if I said, listen, for men over, you know, 35 years old that live internationally that are uh, interested in finance, I'm sort of discounting.
0: <laughs> that sounds awfully familiar, awfully familiar that, there. <laughs> right.
1: If if I told you that and, and, and you have a daughter uh, who's, you know, oh, you know, a year or, or older, then I want you to pay extra close attention. Because what we've discovered is that if men don't go and get checked up, uh, this type of man doesn't go and get checked up, they're they're likely to have some sort of complication later in life. And so now, you know, Mikkel, like his, uh, his ears perked up because I'm describing <laughs> him without saying his name. And now, like, you know, his heart beats a little bit faster because he's like, wow, that's me. And so, again, if you were a woman and I said the same thing, you, your heart would beat faster. And so, again, you gotta you got to turn up that pain by just educating and bringing value, not in a manipulative way, but just letting people know what the state of the union is or state of the market or challenges that, that they face and then talk about
0: your solution. They'll have a much more profound effect for you. That's excellent. That makes perfect sense to me. So, step number four. I've got my notes going here, Justin, so I'm writing this down as we go. Okay, good. So, step number four.
1: Step number four is the body. Now, some people call this the meat, the actual core of the presentation. I say everything is value in a presentation. And so, here is where you want to consider whatever it is that you're educating on or building value for or making the case, if you think of yourself as an attorney or a lawyer. If you were making the case, what you would want to do is boil it down into three to five, gosh, no more than seven points, unless you're in some really long type of presentation. And what I mean by that is you wanna take whatever it is that you're working on in the world and condense it. Remember, they're not experts like you. They haven't been doing the research or they're not making those sales calls or they're not spending the time that you're spending to refine your craft. And so you've gotta really condense it and make it easy for people to understand. And so often what I tell people to do is take whatever it is that you have and tell them three to five steps to accomplishing some sort of result or success. So. Let me give you a crystal clear example here. Let's say we're doing weight loss because uh, at some point in life, I think this it's, it hits home for most people. And so if I were a personal trainer and I had to teach you how to lose weight, I would say come up with five steps. So, you know, Mikhail is an example. Drink more water. Have you heard of that one yeah, before? absolutely. Yeah, drink more water. Uh, number two is get a smaller plate. Have you heard of that?
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so nothing, nothing new there, right? But this is where it's going to get interesting. Uh, n- number three, let's uh, making one up here. Before you put the fork in your mouth, look at the food before
0: before you do it. Uh, Miguel, have you heard of that one? And, and that one, I don't know actually. <laughs> did you just make? That I one just up? made it up. Okay, one. okay, I, right, I, right. I
1: did. I'm sure that probably exists out there, right? Because uh, there's no shortage of, of weight loss solutions out there. But nonetheless, so, you know, drink more water, find a smaller plate, look at the, the food twice before you eat it, and four and five. I won't, I won't it's going to get bad if I try to come up with four and <laughs> five. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not a weight loss uh, coach here, so, uh, or a personal trainer. So I would come up with these five steps. And so, you know, Mikkel's sitting there and, and you're thinking, you know, you know, I've heard that, you know, drink water and the smaller plate and I tried that thing and, you know, I don't know. And so now, now you're starting to invalidate because, you know, you, that's what humans do. We, we listen to something and we're trying to plug it in. Does this serve me? Have I heard of this before? Or how do I invalidate this? Uh, because it's not important to me. And so that's what happens. And so what you have to do is you have to, if those are your steps, you have to come up with a new way to present that information. And really this is a, a marketing thing. And so what I would say Is let's call it something. So if I were to come up with a name right now, I would call it the Matthews Method for Rapid Weight Loss, right? And so now I've got these five steps. I've branded it something, and now it's more believable. Now, it would be better if we called it like the, you know, the benefit driven, you know, the instant uh, weight loss formula, six pack abs or something like that. Right. Exactly. But, you know, for anyone listening and saying, you know, I'm not a wordsmith, Dustin, I completely understand. Just call it like the Matthews method, your last name method or formula or process. If you look at Intel inside, right, or powered by this, this This is the science. If you look at an infomercial, there's always some weird science or some space-age polymer or some secret sauce that people want to hear about or know about. And so, again, what I would offer up is come up with three to five – you could go seven if you need to – points that are part of your belief or your methodology. And in between each one of those points, Mikkel, what I would say, I want you to put a case study, a quote – a testimonial, or some sort of proof element. So let me break this down. If I said drink more water to you, you may say, eh, Dustin, I tried that. I actually gained weight because I drank so much water. So you're sitting there in the audience or you're sitting there on a podcast and you're saying, I don't know about this, you know. I don't, you know. I'm invalidating this guy. I don't. I don't know. But if I share a story and I say, "Listen, you know, I went to a conference. I met a couple people. I challenged them with the same idea. They were all men, uh, you know, over thirty. And I went to this conference and I met one. Uh, his name was John, and he was skeptical." And John, you know, was interested in what I had to say, but you know, he just wasn't he just wasn't buying into it. And so what what I told him to do is I said, Listen, you know, I've got these five steps. All I want you to do is drink more water and drink this kind of water and drink it at this time of day. And so he did it reluctantly, and I checked back in with him in seven days and he dropped three kilos. Now By me sharing that story, you may believe it, you may not believe it. But if I do that three or four or five times, you may say, well, maybe I didn't do it right. Like maybe I didn't drink water at the right time of day. Maybe it was not the best water supply that I was drinking from. And so when you do that, you actually further your cause, further the sale. So again, come up with three to five points and make sure to have some sort of proof element or testimony or case study in there that gets people excited about it and that furthers your cause.
0: Amazing. That makes perfect sense. Also, what I noticed when you were saying is for the beginning couple of points, you want to make something relatable that someone will know so that when you put something in there, maybe points three or four or five that are a little bit left of center, that it relates to the originals and gives them credibility. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: You know, Dan, who co-wrote the book with me, he calls this sequential agreement. So it's essentially like, you know, getting married. Before you get married, there are, there are a, a number, a lot of things that need to happen before that takes place. And so you have to meet the girl and you have to get the phone number, then you have to set up the and on and on and on and on. But there are agreements that have to occur before one gets married. And so in that same way, there are nods there are mental yeses that people need to say before they accept the final thing whether that's your product or service or whether that is making a donation or whatever it is that you want them to do they need to say yes many
0: times mentally before they they say yes to the big thing at the end makes perfect sense so that's number four what's number five on the dustin matthews list (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's right. So that's perfect. It segues right into the close. So when you've done this and you've built value, you've educated the audience, you've built rapport, you've, you've, you've proved your case, you've given great examples, then naturally you move into the close. Now, if you're selling something, a lot of people kind of kind of get scared here. They change. They feel uneasy. And the reason why is they don't disclose right away what their intent is. And so there's like this pressure. And uh, if you've been to a seminar or two, you may have seen this or a webinar. And so, you know, people are not. You know, stupid. They understand how this works. You know, when you get a a ticket to come to a free stake to hear a financial planner, uh, you know, at the end he's trying to get business. So, you know, you ought not fight that and you ought not try to hide the elephant that's in the room. And so the trick here is don't wait to the very end to close. And and again, what I mean by close is is get a yes or do a call to action. It doesn't have to be an actual sale. You want to let people know right at the very beginning what your intent is. You know, I'm going to share some, you know, rather uh, impactful information that can benefit you. No matter if we work together or not, would that be okay with you? And so if you let that be known in the very beginning and you get agreement all throughout your presentation, then the close becomes a whole, whole heck of a lot easier. And oftentimes what I'll just ask is I'll say, listen, you know, I've shared a lot of great information with you. How many of you or would you like me to share how I think I can take you to the next level or a proven plan uh, that is helping people all around the world get results. And so naturally, if you've done everything I said correctly, built rapport, naturally people are going to say yes mentally. And even if they're skeptical, they're just going to nod their head and they're going to hear what you have to say. And so when you go into the close, what's important is you just want to tell people what to do. Just tell them what the offer is. So no, you know hey, you know, we've got this form in the back and uh, if you're interested, you know, it'd be great if you fill it out. No, you, you just tell people, say, listen, you know, we're here, we're raising money uh, for this charity. Every uh, donation counts. And when you don't, uh, when you donate something, uh, you're also going to get this t-shirt, right? And again, I know that may have a little little hype or a little crass there, but you, you want to incentivize people for taking action there in that moment. And you just want to tell them exactly what they need to do.
0: Okay, we're just gonna take a quick break. So, if you guys haven't joined Expat Money Forum yet, then I don't know what I need to do to get you guys to go on this. The conversations in this forum are just unbelievable. The networking is fantastic. There's so much things being shared with the group that, honestly, it's more than just me. It's more than just this podcast. It has grown to a life of its own. We have over 2,000 people in our private group discussing things like immigration, asset protection, travel, food, culture history, everything about being an expat and going overseas. There's tons of work being done on plan B residencies, on different passports. We're even talking about SIM cards, international SIM cards, and the best places to get your internet if you're a digital nomad and you're traveling around the world. There are so many things that are being shared by people who are actually in different countries, who are digital nomads, who are expats, who have gone offshore, and there's just so much there. So I'm really excited about it. I hope you can see that I'm really thrilled about this group because it's just more than I ever expected. And a massive shout out to you if you are part of the group and you are contributing and helping other people who are looking to get where you are. You are an awesome person. I really, really appreciate it. So if you guys wanna get involved, if you wanna join the conversation, then go to expatmoneyforum.com or on Facebook directly, you can search for expatmoneyforum. You'll find us there. We should come up on the very first page. And yeah, join the group, join the conversation. Lots happening there. Okay, let's jump back into today's interview. Perfect. So by getting that yes at the beginning of the presentation, it also is going to line people up for the yes at the end. If you get a permission from them that you can pitch them at the end of the presentation, then it probably going to make your job a lot easier, I would imagine.
1: Absolutely. Because if you've never sat in an environment and witnessed this in a, in a live environment, you, you can feel it. It's I can't explain it. It's like energy. You can feel the resistance build if someone doesn't let the audience, the speaker doesn't let the audience know what, what their intention is. And so the whole time you may see a, a couple people that are cross-armed because they're like, he's going to sell me something, she's going to sell me something, <laughs> right? And, and they're just waiting for it. And so you, you can't fight that resistance. You can't, you know, let that elephant just ride. you got to get it out of the way. And, and some people will still have that resistance like, oh, you know, he's just, just here to sell me something. Well, great. You actually build rapport with him by letting them know that. And they're like, hmm, okay, well, at least he was upfront about it. It doesn't mean they're all going to buy, but at least you have the odds working in your favor for getting people to take that action you want them to take.
0: And then I suppose also, they're not going to spend the entire time trying to guess what you're going to pitch them. If you tell them at the beginning, I'm going to help you take things to the next level. This is what I'm going to do. And then give the presentation, give value. I think it'll just make your job a lot easier. So wonderful.
1: Absolutely. Especially if you're in the long game, you know, if you're in the short term game and you're just trying to to close as many people as possible, like if you're coming with that energy and that that feeling, you know, it's going to be hard. There's going to be that pressure. And so what I found is if you love what you do and you're trying to build something long term that, yes, you may not close in that moment. But long term, you're going to build your brand. They're going to see you multiple times, which is usually what happens. They've seen you online. They hear a podcast and they see you live or they, you know, come to your retail store. You're getting all those touch points. Then eventually they're going to buy.
0: Awesome. Sounds amazing. So, Justin, I want to change gears a little bit. I wanted to hear some of the examples of other people that you've worked with, maybe some of the people that you've helped with Speaking Empire.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple. I got a couple of examples from all different walks, I know people listening in uh, to the show you know, come from all different parts of the world and all different walks of life. And so uh, the first one I think of is what I think everyone can at least relate to or have seen once in their life, and that's an infomercial. And so- you know, one of the examples uh, Kennedy talks about in the book is proactive. And so essentially, proactive is this face acne cream, if you want to call it that. And they're big here in the United States. They recently sold for over a billion dollars here. So, you know, big, 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 big business here selling, you know, healthcare products. And so they grew extremely fast by putting together a presentation and putting it on TV. And so through an infomercial, they were able to sell a bunch of this product, get an amazing valuation, generate a ton of revenue, and eventually sell to a bigger company. And so that's one of the examples from the book. My world into the infomercials was working with Shark Tank here in the US, one of the original sharks, Kevin Harrington. And so what's unique about him is he shared with me that, you know, it's TV is just a presentation. It's just, you know, you do a couple things a little bit differently. So every media has nuances. But at the end of the day, if you use the five step formula I'm talking about, will take you incredibly far. It's the 20% that you want to tweak, you know, if you're doing direct mail or if you're doing a Facebook ad or doing a Facebook Live. And so the core foundation remains the same. And so Kevin shared that with me. And so we helped him put together sort of like a Shark Tank brand, an off Shark Tank brand for him, and launch a seminar business where everybody that couldn't make it onto the show of Shark Tank but had an invention or had an idea uh, that they wanted to, you know, develop further, we invited them to come see him speak. Now, he didn't speak at the boot camp the whole entire time. We engineered it in a way where all he had to do was come in, do a couple of keynotes, and he had his team there to deliver presentations that helped him Start and launch his seminar business and find new inventions. And so that's, a, that's an example of how here's a guy that has an amazing background, billions of dollars of sales through one presentation, didn't understand that it was transferable to a room, didn't understand the 20 percent of the nuances and was able to go out and generate revenue very quickly
0: understanding this framework. That's unbelievable. I need to check this out. That sounds really exciting.
1: <laughs> well, you know, infomercial. I know. I listen, Mikhail. I know not everyone's doing infomercial like Dustin. You know. I, you know. I. You know, great story, but how do I relate? So let me talk professional services here. So if you're a lawyer, an attorney, uh, if you're a dentist, if you're a chiropractor, you know, I want you to pay anyone in professional services consult. I want you to pay extra close attention. So. I think of uh, Dr. Jeremiah Joseph. Now, I'm in St. Petersburg, which is Tampa, Florida, and uh, he's just to the south of us about an hour and a half. And so he's in like a sleepy uh, retirement community and he's a chiropractor. And so, you know, chiropractors traditionally, uh, you know, they've been pummeled with marketing uh, ideas uh, because, you know, originally chiropractic here in the United States wasn't widely accepted, and so they've had to market their services. And so one of the ways uh, they've done that is with Lunch and Learns. And so Dr. Uh, Jeremiah Joseph, he said, hey, listen, you know, I'm doing Lunch and Learns, but I'm not converting how I, I want to. And so we said, okay, let's take a look at the whole thing. So we looked at his messaging using that five-step formula that I shared. And we also looked at the choreography. What is the messaging going out before people actually turn up to the event? What's happening in the follow-up? And so what we did is we came up with this idea where we would have people come to the lunch and learn. And rather than try to sell them, hey, you know, come sign up for a service or sell them a package, we invited them to come to his office. So It was a two-step process to build massive rapport. And so he went from closing around 50 percent, around 40 to 50 percent, upwards of 80 percent. So imagine this. You have 100 people in a room. We had 80 percent. Uh, of those people, eighty people sign up in a room of hundred. Eighty people sign up to come to the next step, which is to come to his office. And so, from that point of view, that increases revenue by actually taking and slowing down the sales process and actually increase the amount of patients that he could bring on. And again, you know, doctors are not the best salespeople in the world, but using this process and building rapport and using this framework, he was able to achieve some you know rather great results in his industry.
0: So moving away from the hard sell and look at more of building a relationship with someone and playing the long game, like you mentioned earlier in the interview.
1: Absolutely. And then that's the thing is every environment is different. And so, yes, you may see an infomercial and say, oh, throw your arms up. How cheesy. Or you may, you know, see a car salesperson and say, oh, You know, I can't be that guy, and I'm not saying that you you should be that guy, but every environment is different, and you want to take a look at the environment, which is why choreography is the message you should be walking away with here. Yes, it's important to understand how to be persuasive, but you actually want to tailor that message to every audience as much as you can, every audience that is out there, as much as you can customize
0: it. Fantastic. Fantastic. So when I was reading the No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations, there was one chapter in particular that really stood out to me. It was chapter six. It was the Irresistible Offer Architecture. Can you explain a little bit about that chapter and what you were talking about? You know, Mikhail, I'm glad you brought that up. Here's why. That example of the, the Matthews weight
1: loss formula, the Matthews method for weight loss that we, we were talking about earlier, this is, this is like actually demonstration. So I'll, I'll get to what it is in just a second. But what I found is... There is no shortage of people talking about irresistible offers. Mikhail, in in your walks of life and the books that you've read and seminars and, you know, the education, your studies, I mean, am I the first guy to
0: ever talk about an irresistible offer? No, it is a a phrase that's thrown around a little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, like, how do I make myself different from that. It's something I I truly believe in. It's something that's very important. And so what I did is I actually kind of broke my own rule and I identified nine elements to what makes an irresistible offer. But I didn't just stop there and say, listen, friends, there are nine things that you must have to have an irresistible offer. I said, you know what? I want to own this. I want to take this to the next level. I want there to be some curiosity. And so what I did was I went and I got this trademark. So I came up with irresistible offer architecture. I got it trademarked. Now, Mikel, let me ask you this. When you see the TM or the R with the circle around it or even the C the copyright with the circle around it, what what does that say? What does that communicate to you personally? Um I would say legitimacy, I guess. Yeah, legitimacy, this you know, there's maybe an element of curiosity like what is this? Yeah, or importance maybe. Importance, right? And said, so "That's what I want. Like, I want mind share. So, you know, if I had said irresistible offers, people like, you know, some people that have studied, like, oh, you know, I've heard this. You know, what's what's new here? But now, when I propose that I have irresistible offer architecture, now it's like, well, what is that? I know what. I think I know what new ir- But what is this? And so in that same way that I said come up with the Matthews method and, and go trademark it, this is something I want people to think. So whether you have a you know, five-step secret you know, sauce to your invention, you have a three-step formula for getting people results, you have an investing method. Right, I'm sure there's no shortage of investing methods that you know you talk about, Mikkel, or you have your guests talk about on the show, and Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you want to make it look legitimate. So I I went on my little soapbox there to really communicate that because that's going to give you USP in the marketplace. That's going to get people hooked, going to get get them to stop and pay attention. And so, what it actually is is. Nine different elements. And so I say that every great presentation has an offer. So again, whether you're trying to raise money, you're seeking donations. If you're trying to generate a opt-in list to build your, your following, you're doing that. If you want to get people to like your Facebook page, every talk, every presentation you do should have an offer. And here's why. You've got to train people to take action. And so before you go for the big ask, you've got to, you know, tell them, listen, go like the show, you know, leave a comment on iTunes for this show. And then, you know, hey, go opt in here for to get this offer. And so you you want to make sure that you tell people what they need to do at the end of a presentation. And when you do this, it helps you, Mikkel, as you so astutely pointed out, it helps you reverse engineer everything. So in your presentation, if you know that you're trying to get people to buy a book. If you know you're trying to get people to go opt in, if you know that you're trying to get people to donate to your cause, then you reverse engineer your whole presentation. And now you can say, I don't know if I should tell the story or I should really tell the story because this helps further the cause. And so Irresistible Offer Architecture helps you do that. And I'll give you two real quick, cause I know we're, we're running short on time. So one of the nine elements is what we call the hot button. So some people buy because they like visual. So let me ask you this, Mikkel. W- what would you consider yourself? When you, when you study stuff, do you find yourself looking at infographics? Are you more of an auditory? Do you like to read? And you, you might like all of them, but which one would you say you favor more?
0: Personally, I love audio. This is one of the reasons that I chose podcasting as my platform. So this is a
1: this is an example. So let's just say we were selling a product. Let's let's call it an information product. And so if we were selling an information product where it was was all text uh, or it was all video, we miss out on Mc, one of Mikkel's hot buttons. Like he's an audio guy. He loves it. He he loves the convenience of it. He wants to do it on his own time. Uh, a video, you know, he's got a kid, so he may not be able to watch the video. So. Again, people have different reasons for buying. So you do yourself a service by taking a look at your product or your offering and saying, "What are all the reasons why someone would want to take action, and how can I incorporate it into the offer?" So if I were selling, you know, a book, and I didn't have an audio with it, I may, you know, Mikkel may say, "You know, listen, you know, the book's great, you know," and he may actually buy the book, but he may never actually read it, which is, you know, not good either. Because he, he needs audio to consume something quicker. So I take a look at what we call hot buttons. And then finally, I want you to think about whatever their objections are. So you know, if someone doesn't have enough time, can you put a time management system into their program? If they don't have enough time to read your book on weight loss, can you just sell them a supplement? So think about what every objection is that someone would have for not moving forward with you and figure out what can you put into your irresistible offer that will get them to say, you know what? I don't really like most of this offer, but I really like this one thing, the call with Mikel or this financial analysis that, that he provides. And so think about that when you put together your
0: irresistible offer. So as Russell Brunson says, knocking down the big domino. So if you're able to identify what those dominoes are, those big things, as you said, then by putting them in the offer itself, you can actually convert more people to the product. Is that right?
1: That's absolutely right. Now, Mikhail, you just said something that just made my mind just, you know, like a bomb went off in my head. It's a point of clarification. So when I, when I take a look at an offer, I pretend that if you, my prospect, were out there, you missed my whole presentation. So you missed the, the preamble, you missed the talking, you missed the marketing, and all you saw, if all you saw was the irresistible offer on a screen or someone reading it aloud, would you take action? Now, that's that's a tough proposition, you know, like you want to tell the story. They need to build – you need to build rapport and all that. But again, I think about people being distracted. I think about people being time-starved, and so they don't get to see all of the message no matter how hard we work on it. If all they saw was the end, do they take action? Do they at least say, hey, Mikkel, you know, this looks rather interesting. I missed your whole presentation. Can you tell me more? And so the point here is that you should overcome objections in all of your pres- – you should knock down as many dominoes in all of your presentation – And you should do it in the offer because if all they saw was your clothes, would that get them to take action?
0: Wow. I'm floored right now, Dustin, because I've read the book and I've gone through it and I took so, so many notes, but now speaking to you one-on-one and you articulating some of these points, it's just unbelievable. I think I'm going to have to read this (laughs) a second, a third time. No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations. Unbelievable. So, on that note, do you take courses yourself? Do you read yourself? What kind of things uh, influenced you and helped you to create something like this?
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm a big student. I'm a big reader, consumer of content. So, you know, my big things right now, I'm very interested in tech. I love crypto stuff that's going on. So I'm studying it. I haven't dived in yet, but I'm studying it. I love tech. I love startups. So I consume information on my mobile phone. So that's easy. I think a lot of people do that. But not just like, you know, the news of the day that, you know, gets you to click and you know, twenty minutes have gone by, and you're like, "What did I get out of that?" But I look for things that that interest me to grow. So that's one area. the The other thing is I've got books. So anytime, like I get a book recommendation, I either add it to my wish list or I just buy it, and Amazon ships it. And so in in my home, the office, I've got all these books uh, to go through. Now, I generally like to go for business growth books. I love uh, internet marketing as well. Uh, I love tech, uh, but also too, I'm I'm cognizant now that I should also be doing personal development and I, I say that kind of tug- in cheek because when I first got started that's all I did and then i I, I got this ego that came in McCrell if I could be honest with you and I'm mm-hmm. like oh I, you know I'm developed I'm good and what I found in business is you know as my business started to grow you know yes uh, you know I was developed and I, I was able to, to conquer what I was doing there but now when it came to now running a team or selling investors on an idea or concept I had to play the game at a different level I had to be thinking and I had to develop myself even further. So it's not about just getting from here to there. This is a lifelong journey. And so now I'm cognizant and I have uh, books that I say, slow me down. Uh, And and I say that that, uh, with a smile on my face because, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes we just want to go after, we want to conquer, we want to just go, 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 go. And sometimes it's more powerful to slow down, consider, think about things and then take action. And so those are some of the things that I'm into.
0: That's amazing. So break down for me a little bit. What will 2018 look like? Are you going to be spending a lot of money and time, I suppose, on personal development going forwards this year? Absolutely. Always absolutely. You got to
1: be investing in yourself. So, I mean, there's things that we do such as invest in sponsorships at events, right? So we make those investments in sponsorships, but we're not there just to try to get customers. We're there to learn as well. So I call that personal development. We join masterminds at Speaking Empire. We're part of business groups. And so we learn that way. You know, we get we get newsletter subscriptions. So the answer is always. And I think when you stop investing in yourself, when you stop investing in materials, when you stop reading, I, I think you, your world closes. And and, and the, the reason why I say that is, yes, you do have some knowledge out there um, that has made you successful, but the world changes so quickly. And, you know, Mikkel, I know you talk about that on this show. There's so many things uh, that are moving so quickly now more than ever that if you're not up and you're not continually developing and stumbling upon things, you're going to get left behind and the competition's going to eat you.
0: Yeah, I agree with that one bit. One of the things I always say is, if you're not studying and learning daily, that you're actually putting your family at risk, because the economy is changing so quickly today, that there will be so many jobs that are going to become redundant in the next five or 10 years. You really need to up your game and level things up. Absolutely. So. Dustin, I want to be respectful of your time before I let you go. Can you just tell me what's one of those one big secrets you could share with the audience to get them moving to take action?
1: Oh, man, that's a good one. I was going to say the education, but you've hit that. And I know that's your, your core message is, is the education. You know, I would say this. One of my life lessons or one of the things that I, I, I've been realizing is sometimes I'm afraid to take action. And it's a tied to ego. And so this may be a little out there in left field. And so I know a lot of people can relate with it. And so what I mean by that is there's been times in my life where I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's going to make me look bad. Or what if I fail at that? And so it's that lack of action that I didn't go out there. And, and here's what I found out. My greatest areas of personal growth has been from crazy, chaotic environments where I didn't even have time to think about that. So in my former life or before doing this here at Speaking Empire, I ran 10 product launches, these internet product launches, uh, when they were hot and heavy back in the day. And so essentially, there's a whole bunch of activity in a two-week time time frame, sometimes 10-day time frame. And so there's staying up late at night. There's, you know, no time to, to drink there, you know, or eat food. And so in that, uh, and also in the startup environment as well, th- there's just no time to think about it. You're just testing new things. And so my big thing here is take one idea or concept here and apply it in your life and just try it, you know, when you are, you know, on a phone call with somebody or try it when you're writing your next piece or, or, or try it when, you know, the opportunity presents itself. And yes, you may fail at it. You may, you may look stupid, but Hey, in 10 years, in five years, in three years, in one year from now, you're not even gonna remember it. And the person that you're sitting across from, they're not gonna remember it. And so it's just in that moment. And so I say that as a lesson to others, but really a lesson to myself that you just gotta get out there and take action, even if it's imperfect action, and keep figuring it out
0: as you go along. So always moving forwards. I love it. That's brilliant, Dustin. So where can people pick up the book, The No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's available you know, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 800, CEO Read. But, he, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to NoBSPresentations.com. Go there first. It's got all the links to those sites on there. But I want to make sure that you get the incentives that we've included with the book because, listen, I understand what it's like if you're if you're giving presentations, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're in sales, uh, you're you're in big corporate. No matter what, we're all strapped for time, and so the book is amazing. As uh, Mikkel pointed out, thank you, absolutely, and that's great. But, but you also need tools to implement, right? So you can get ideas and immediately execute. But if you need to create a presentation, if you need some framework, if you need some email examples of choreography, some follow-up, if you need examples of winning presentations, if you need you know powerful words that grab people's attention, go there. Because when you buy the book and you opt in there, uh, you get access to bonuses, things that we've used here at Speaking Empire. I've used with clients all around the world to help them get people into action, make more money, and create more wealth.
0: Fantastic. And I'm going to make sure I put the link to that in the show notes at expatmoneyshow.com. Dustin, wealth of knowledge, unbelievable. I'm absolutely floored right now. Thank you so, so much for your time. I know my listeners are going to get heaps of value from this. So thank you so much.
1: Absolutely, Mikkel. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it.
0: Hey, everyone. Mikkel here. I want to remind you that if you go to expatmoneyshow.com, you're going to be able to download our special report, It's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. It has been a project of mine I have been working on for maybe four years now. And I constantly update this with the newest and best strategies. Now, it's really different than a lot of other special reports or books out there because this one is really short and it is short on purpose. What I want to do is kind of highlight to you the best of the best strategies that are out there in the world, and then where you can go for additional information or how you can get involved in these things. So instead of writing a 500-page special report on this, which probably, chances are, no one is gonna read it, this is really highly condensed information. I've actually put it in an infographic. It's an infographic special report has helped thousands upon thousands of people really get a grasp of being an expat and what type of things are out there to protect your assets, professionals that you should be working with, investments, real estate, these types of things. So it's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. You can pick it up at expatmoneyshow.com. You'll see it. It's on the very first page at the very top. All you need to do is put in your name and email address. You're going to get a chance to actually join my private email list, EMS Pulse. And there's just so much great things that are shared on there. It's completely free. There's no funnel. There's no trick to this. There's no credit card needed, anything like that. It's just a good resource for you, my listener, who I love and adore. And I want to do right by you guys. So go to expatmoneyshow.com, pick this up. Let me know what you think. I'll talk to you soon. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels.